This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. So good evening to another wonderful episode of Ultimate Global Podcast. And in this episode, we are discussing about messaging and positioning for the startups. And in today's episode, we are joined by the co-founder of Red Basket, David Miller. Um, Very insightful, very knowledgeable person. Um, And I'm sure we are going to gain some interesting insights on this topic for startups because he's already started something of his own. Um, Red Basket is helping is currently helping SaaS companies to grow internationally by designing their marketing and communication strategies, which can bring in more conversions for them. So maybe to start off with David, um, why not give a brief introduction about yourself and your project? Okay, super. Yeah, hi. So I'm happy to be here today. Um, I'm a Californian, uh, but I live in Central Europe. I moved here several years ago. I met a beautiful woman. It worked out. We have a lovely daughter. Uh, So yeah, it's been a long time in Slovakia, which is close to the Czech Republic and other countries. Um, Yeah, so this Red Basket is kind of the brainchild of my co-founder and I. We both come from SaaS. Uh, We both worked for companies that have been acquired. So we decided to use that knowledge to help startups, you know, from the ground up. Everywhere from pre, you know, pre-seed money all the way up to you know Series B and Series C type companies. So we leverage our knowledge to really get in there, dive deep with the co-founders of startups, understand their technology, and ultimately help them with their messaging. Um, because it's critical to have messaging before communicating. Like, what are you going to say? Kind of like this podcast, right? Here's a microphone. What are you going to say? So that's uh, that's kind of my background and my passion and where I am today. Great. Um, That's that's fantastic to know. And I know it's it's very difficult for any new founder to understand the right position in the market and also understand what can be the right messaging for their startup. You know, I have met so many founders here in Australia as well. A lot of them have got really good ideas. They know they have created their strategies for how they're going to market it, how they are going to sell it to the customers, what are their financials going to look like. But it's always a challenge when it comes to the execution part, especially in the first few years. So would you love to highlight on how can they position themselves through the messaging component? And that's kind of the main topic for today. Yeah. So I see this very often that just like you, Uh, co-founders may come up with a great idea. There's several, you know, more technical co-founders who say the product is so good, it's going to sell itself, which we know is false, right? It doesn't, uh, to quote myself, I always say this repeatedly, it doesn't pay to be the largest secret on the internet, right? So we have to kind of step back and we work closely with co-founders and we ultimately build out something called the message house. The message house isn't something new, but it's very important to start there. And basically what it what it encompasses is your vision, your mission, your key messages, proof to support the key messages, your key claim, 
And then if you have customer testimonials, those will ultimately support your key messages. So it doesn't help if I say in this world, I'm the best. Good. Well, that's a great message. But what's the proof behind that? Show me how your text, your, your tech or your software is, in fact, because when you have proof to support it, it helps you with something called objection handling. Often as your company begins to scale, you'll hire a salesperson and eventually a sales team. And oftentimes on these calls, they'll get objections to onboarding this software or tech. So this kind of mitigates that. If I say, well, you're not the, if I'm a, if I'm a prospect, I will tell you that you're not the best because X, Y, Z. And I can say as a salesperson, but wait, here's the proof. And here's a customer testimonial from a big brand that everyone recognizes that supports my claim that we are the best. So positioning is absolutely critical. It's finding where you kind of fit into the market um, and ultimately learning and, and creating your, it's before you even create the strategy of how to communicate, it's what you're going to communicate. Right. And I think just to continue with what you are saying at the moment, what to communicate. So you just stated that the founders can share customer stories, but what about sure. people who don't have any customer stories um, at the moment? Um, because I'm sure people who will be listening to us, there will be founders who are just in the hypothesis phase or probably just launching their ideas. They don't have any customer stories. So how should their messaging be looking like? Yeah, so, so you basically start at the same place, right? So you start with your vision and your mission. You can still start with your key claim. A claim is something that is uniquely yours, that your competitors, even if you're in the hypothesis stage, um, you can still create this. It is, it's kind of putting your company into a direction and squeezing it into that niche area that you're going to excel. If you don't have testimonials from customers, it's fine, um, you know, because there's several stages that a startup, a, usually a healthy startup will go through. It's development of what they're going to do, finding the market fit, understanding who their customers ideally should be. This is known as an ICP, ideal customer profile. And then they'll start to do proof of concept. This means you're basically running your beta and giving it to customers, non-paying customers to use for free. You can always offer as you scale when you're still doing it for free, you know, not to do it for free. We're going to give you the software for free, but what we would like in return is a testimonial. Make sure you get legal permission to use this person's voice, uh, you know, quote, logo, and so on before you start broadcasting it. But it's it's uh, common. Pre-seed companies don't have customer testimonials, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you think they can better utilize the hypothesis that they have already tested out? Because I think hypothesis, testing or hypothesis is really important thing for you before uh, the validation part. And I think it's, it's an important part, in fact, uh, which is included in the validation itself um, when you are kind of testing your idea at the initial phase. So do the, you know, should they be sharing their hypothesis or should they adopt something else? Uh, it's a very good question. And there are several, several hypotheses during the process of creating a product, even if it's only the like pre-stage to building anything, um, a prototype that you can actually use. So 
there's something that never changes that should always remain consistent through the earliest of early stages all the way up to we're getting ready to sell our startup for one billion US dollars, right? And it's understanding where you best serve a purpose. What pain points will you solve? And is the pain big enough to actually capitalize on, right? So even with Red Basket, we didn't just go register a business and start running. We did one year of proof of concept. Is there a market need for it? And, you know, we, I hypothesized for a year, two years, I was already working in a startup. And, uh, but before I went out and dove headfirst into this and decided this was my new future, I really, I had to prove to myself and to the market that there is a fit. So this is a very critical aspect during the hypothesis stage. Make sure you're really solving a pain point. And I think this kind of comes to this fact as to how you can create a unique selling proposition or a unique value for what you are selling. Um, and that will also depend on kind of how well you have evaluated the competitors in the market who kind of are selling a similar idea to you or, um, you know, you have seen what kind of growth you can witness in that particular industry. So sure. would you also like to touch base upon these two factors, how important it is to evaluate the growth in that sector and also, and you know, you know, in evaluating your competitors in the market before you're actually launching the product. Absolutely. So your USPs are actually the key messages. So um, basically, yes, I'll give you a perfect example of this CRM systems. There are so many CRMs in this world, and there's a new one born every day on every continent, right? It's the next unicorn. And there's a lot of noise in the space. If I were to build a CRM today, it would be incredibly difficult, right? Of course, it's solving a pain point, right? But what are the unique selling points? How can I, how can I use these USPs as my clear key messaging to leverage for marketing and sales? So that's one. This should never, ever, ever, ever stop. There's, you know, every brand will evolve. So there's hypothesis stage to I'm going to do this. Um, and you have to understand the market that you're going to compete in. It's the same if you're a student, you know, you analyze the school you're going to study at. There's a lot of competition after college, right? Or after university where you're going to try to get a job. Which university will best help you set up for that? So in many stages in life, there's, there's this type of analysis. Yep, absolutely. Um, one of the other elements that I really wanted to discuss with you, uh, David, in this podcast was related to this fact. A lot of times startups are focusing either to market on their features or to market on the benefits they are providing. So should their messaging be more focused towards what they are selling or probably what else they are selling in, in the sense, what are the intangible benefits they are providing? And that kind of acts as a USP for them. That's a great question, Sarab. In fact, it's a, it's a question that we've been able to answer uh, and we have data on it. So it's, uh, imagine walking down the street and a, and a person approaches you and tries to hard sell you, sell you something, right? So you don't even understand my problem yet and you're trying to sell me something. So it's really important to always go back to the pain points of your ideal customer profile. 
What is it they're dealing with every single day that makes them want to bang their head against the table, right? Communicate that. So you're addressing the pain point. These are your pain points. And here's how you fix those pain points. So it's a little bit of both, right? It's hard to hard, it's really difficult to hard sell your features. It's easier to address the pain point. And then next step would be talk about the features. Um, both but how, Sorry. Yeah, I think that that's a fantastic, uh, fantastic answer to what I asked you, David. But I just want to understand from you this thing that how can one identify the pain points and then come back to the strategy table? Um, sometimes it's not that easy. Uh, you know, it's easier said than done. You understand your pain points. And then um, when you are into your validation phase, you understand, you, you, you see that, oh, that was no longer a pain point. In fact, the pain point is something else. So it's kind of a re-strategizing and coming back to the drawing table and reframing your idea. And I think that's where the validation part is so important for you to uh, to go through before you are actually launching your idea, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't think this actually ever should stop. I think you should always go back to the strategy table, always make adjustments. You're going to pivot. You're going to realize what you thought was your core feature was in fact the least desirable. And the one you thought that was probably just something cool that may work sometimes could in fact be the core feature that is starting to generate customers for you. So it's always important to really assess uh, what pain point you're solving and which feature best does that. And look, great features have been created out of discussions with you know companies and their current customers. I'll say, yes, but we can do all of these things, but we still have a gap in our abilities here. And you can say, well, I can actually create that feature. It's, it's kind of low hanging fruit. So if I do build it for you, uh, how would you feel about helping me beta test that specific feature? And again, providing me a customer testimonial when I'm done and you're happy and I saved your life at work, you know. Absolutely. Um, and I also wanted to know from you relate to your business itself that you are kind of selling the marketing and communication strategies which bring conversions. Um, yes. That's what, that's what your unique, prop, unique value proposition is. First of all, how did you come up with that part um, when you were framing that idea for Red Basket? So... I am a marketer. Uh, I, I was in sales before marketing and I used to be in sales in California and I did pretty well at it. It took, there was a, you know, there's a big curve in sales. It took a couple of years, but I used to sell really expensive product. Okay. Um, I think that makes me a better marketer, but what I really love is the nuances of language in order to get exactly what you want. Um, but I came from the marketing department as the head of content for this fast growing startup that it was acquired. Uh, my business partner, she's a communications expert and communication strategist, and she's also an expert in customer journey. There's one critical thing about me, though, that is ultimately different than the average marketer. There are many who get it, um, but there are many who do not. What I consider a conversion is a new paying customer. That's it. Everything else is noise. So I have to look at it from the very, very beginning. Yes, we created a blog. And yes, we created an ebook to generate leads, uh, legally consenting leads. And uh, all of those are necessary steps. But all I care about, which is what my customers love about me, is what does it mean for the bottom line? How do we generate more revenue using a marketing strategy? So I like to dissect it from instead of top to bottom, actually from bottom up. 
we need 115 new customers this quarter. How are we going to get them? And we start to work the steps backwards. Yeah, I think that's pretty interesting um, to know um, how you can look at the bottom line through that way. Um, I would also want to understand from you, since you are having a lot of customers in this market um, to uh, the product that you are selling, the services that you are selling, what are the top three or four platforms for communicating your message in 2022? And what can be some of the platforms you think can be beneficial for startups who might be coming up in the near future in the next one year? You're talking about actual tech stack type platform or yeah, so different different ways, different ways and different platforms through which they can put forward their message of the startup. Yeah. So so number one is no matter what stage you're at in a startup or even a massive enterprise corporation, there is one major asset that you will always own and you need to treat it like it's your baby. And that's your website. Right. So the goal of all platforms and all social media and all blogs and everything you do is to drive traffic back to your website in order to convert. So I would always try to make sure that even from the from a first time visitor to a repeat visitor, when visiting your website, that you give them multiple opportunities to convert them. You're probably not going to convert a first time visitor. So remember that. Don't hard sell them on your homepage. <laughs> Get it now or your company's going to die is not the type of messaging you should put on your website. But this is true for B2C and B2B companies. Your website is the number one acquisition channel you have. The job of everything else you do is to drive traffic back there. When talking about plat platforms, there are tens of thousands of Mar MarTech stack components out there. So it's really difficult to say each specific customer that we deal with has very specific needs and we treat it in such a manner. So Red Basket uses a different software than a startup we started working with a week ago. And they have a different software than us and that other startup uh, that, you know, they've been on the market for uh, several years. The one critical thing to understand is building a marketing tech stack that communicates with each other is a never ending job but there are some basics you can implement immediately. Tracking. If you're going to run ads, track it. If you're going to put a, a download out to get leads, track it, track those leads, but don't track anyone who didn't consent. This will keep you out of legal trouble. So we take this part very, very seriously in our company and we will not work with companies that do not get legal consent and communicate with. Yep. Um, I would definitely leave you, um, but one last question for you is, how do you feel the marketing and communication strategies, not only for startups, but in general companies has evolved over the last 10 years? Because I see that the technology part of it has been growing rapidly and companies are trying to make the best use of the upcoming technology. So how do you see that evolution has taken place in the space for marketing? Well, and it's so rapid, in fact, that as a company scales, usually around series A or series B, they'll start to build a team just around uh, onboarding new technology because it is, it is so rapidly, you know, if we go back 10 years ago, companies were still using billboards. <laughs> I can tell you where I live here, the amount of billboards is decreasing. I myself would not put my face and a slogan on a billboard because there's no data behind it. Data is king. We can track everything on everyone, which is quite scary and it should be done tastefully. Um, but you know, that's, that's it. Where we're going to be in 10 years from now, 
I have no idea. I have no idea, but it is, it is rapidly evolving and it's insane to watch. Well, um, I think that was really an insightful session with you, David. Um, I feel that I personally have learned a lot of things and I'm sure all the founders or anyone who is willing to become an entrepreneur in the near future will definitely learn those things and try to apply uh, once the episode is out. So thank you so much for being a part of this episode. And I definitely hope to see you in another episode with a different topic. Perfect. I'm always happy. And thanks for having me on. This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney.